for a moment, try to imagine this. A perfect weekend for a Star Wars collector. One in which your fellow collectors come from all over to attend. A long weekend where everyone stays at the same hotel. It is comprised of the best parts of conventions like Star Wars Celebration, but without the breakneck pace, the endless lines and queues, and the blaring hype. Instead, it is filled with the moments collectors love. In-depth panels about the hobby, hosted by our knowledgeable friends. A tour of one of the greatest vintage production collections in existence. Late-night excursions to a local diner, where we sit and talk for hours. A chance to buy, sell, and trade during the room sales event. Dinners and meals together. A boat cruise just for our group. And those random, unplanned moments we still bring up years later. And the best part? During that entire weekend, the large group of attendees moves as a unit. We experience each part of the event together, and we all pretty much stay together. Every activity occurs at the hotel or within a few miles from it. The main event happens in a beautiful ballroom right off the lobby. The weekend is like a sleepaway camp for grown-up kids who never stopped loving Star Wars and never stopped loving toys. In August of 2019, the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club hosted the annual, a first event of its kind. The annual was held in Fishkill, New York, and ran during Labor Day weekend. It really was the perfect weekend. Its itinerary was stacked with activities, but also included spaces in between for those special random moments that usually make the highlight reel when we look back on a trip like that. Friday evening kicked off the event with a meet-and-greet, followed by an impromptu trip to the diner. Attendees woke up before the sun rose on Saturday morning to hunt for Star Wars collectibles at the Stormville Flea Market. The main event, also titled The Annual, began at 3 p.m. that afternoon in the hotel ballroom. It ran for seven hours and included a catered dinner and four collector panels. Saturday night concluded with room sales and a trip back to the diner for a midnight meal. On Sunday, collectors toured Ron Salvatore's collection and then took a boat cruise down the Hudson River, followed by a group dinner at a restaurant along the shore. And for Monday's finale, collectors headed to Queens to Yehuda Kleinman's home to see his collection, known as the At Attic. For many of us, the annual was one of the best collecting weekends of our lives. The bonds that formed in Fishkill carry on to this day. It helped to draw some of the regional clubs closer, building relationships between the Empire State Club and the Georgia Alliance and the Pennsylvania Club. And many of those friendships that began at the annual grew stronger during the quarantine. For many of us, our fellow collectors became friends and grew closer to being a family, thanks to that incredible weekend in 2019. The intent for the annual was in its name. It was meant to be a yearly, larger meetup that would celebrate the best parts of our community and of our hobby. But the world events of 2020 and 2021 unfortunately prevented us from continuing the momentum of the first annual. But this year is a different story. 
And this summer, collectors from the regional clubs will once again meet up for a Star Wars-themed weekend at the second annual. It's been a long three-year wait since the last one, but collectors from the Empire State and from all over are excited to return to Fishkill for what will be another momentous weekend. This is, after all, truly one of the best and most rewarding parts of our hobby. This is a conversation with Ron Salvatore, an amazing collector and co-creator of the annual. This is a look at how the annual originated, what it was like to put it together, how it was received, and what's in store for all of us at the upcoming second annual. This is the first episode in a large, multi-part series titled A Look Back at the Annual 2019. This is a testament to the power of these unforgettable collector's weekends and the blessings that spring forth from them. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Ron Salvatore is a collector's collector. He was born in that perfect sweet spot on life's pop culture timeline to experience the entirety of the Star Wars trilogy as a child. He's a self-described movie junkie and notes Star Wars as the first film he remembers seeing in the theater. And its impact has resonated heavily on his life for decades. Ron's first action figure was an R2-D2, and his father branded each of his figures with an X on the foot, courtesy of a soldering iron. Even as a child, he saw himself as a collector, as he aimed to acquire a complete set of the 79 Kenner figures across the three films. He became a serious collector in 1994, returning to a childhood love with the intention of finally completing the Kenner run. And what may have started as a passive hobby soon transformed into a platform on which he found his voice and became a contributor. The Star Wars Collector's Archive, a now legendary vintage-themed website known to collectors simply as The Archive, was started by Gus Lopez that same year. And by 1997, Ron was a co-editor of the Archive, crafting entries that described the rare prototype and production pieces displayed within the site. His words gave context to the items and helped to explain their construct, their history, their importance and significance. Ron is a master storyteller. His writing style is conversational and flecked with sharp wit, that feels light and exciting. 
His paragraphs never feel forced or overdone, because writing comes naturally to him. He appreciates the details and design, but his true gift is that he's able to convey them in ways that help you to appreciate them as well. At a time in which very little was known about our hobby, Ron became a protocol droid, able to translate foreign concepts for many of us to understand. Really, to use two Lucasfilm properties, he was like C-3PO fused with Indiana Jones. Part adventurer, part archaeologist, part translator, part teacher. Ron seemed to enjoy diving deep into collecting and using the surviving remnants he and other collectors discovered from their trips out to Cincinnati to piece together the uncharted history of Kenner and the Star Wars collectibles. In addition to the entries in the archive, which were responsible for kickstarting the paths of many of today's collectors, Ron also contributed articles in Star Wars and action figure-themed publications, like Action Figure Digest and Star Wars Galaxy Collector. And shortly after Disney purchased Lucasfilm, the archive added a new section to the site, the official blog. Ron became one of the main authors of the blog, and his articles are some of the most compelling contributions to the collecting community. In a February 2016 article, Ron presented the possibility that the Kenner designers may have reworked some of the original Star Wars wax sculpts to make new figures for its Empire Strikes Back line. The Star Wars blue snaggletooth may have become Bosk. The Han Solo wax may have transformed into the one for the Han Hoth figure. And the Stormtrooper may have become the Snowtrooper. And in the most recent entry, Ron presented a comprehensive history of the knockoff lightsabers produced during the first year the film was released, before Kenner was able to fill stores with a Lucasfilm-licensed one. It's a fascinating read, one I fully recommend if you enjoy learning about that era. And more than 20 years after he began writing for the archive, Ron is still creating fresh content that makes learning about the hobby so fulfilling. Ron is also a beloved and respected member of the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club, a New York-based regional association open to anyone who loves Star Wars and the memorabilia it has produced over the past 40-plus years. As part of the club, he has hosted meetups at his house and has taken collector after collector through tours of his world-class collection of prototypes and historic one-of-a-kind pieces from the Kenner years. His passion for collecting is rivaled by his passion for the Empire State Club, and he has truly helped to make it a meaningful experience for Star Wars enthusiasts everywhere. And one of the ways in which he has done so is through the creation of The Annual, a yearly collector's event that merges the best parts of the hobby with the most connective aspects of fellowship found in our club. When I became a serious collector in 2011, Ron's writings on the archive were some of the first pieces I read. I was amazed that a collector, who had likely fallen into the hobby as I did, was able to publish and produce this incredible body of research and information. The archive was an online class about collecting, and Ron was one of the people who pushed me to want to give back and to help to educate others about the hobby many of us love. 
And today, I'm honored to call Ron a friend. And ahead of the second annual arriving this August, I thought it would be fun to speak with him about the 2019 inaugural event, how it came about, and the impact it has had on our community. So now that you know a little more about Ron, pour yourself your favorite drink, I'm going to go with green tea and New Jersey's own Pine Barren Honey, and come join us for a wonderful conversation about collecting, the community, and the creativity and connectivity of the Empire State Club and the annual. If you were going to pitch the annual to me in one sentence, what would you say? One sentence? God, it's tough. I would say um, relaxed, fun with collecting friends. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I I think that really sums it up. And um, that's what really made it so special for all of us. Um, how, How did you get the idea for the annual? How did the idea for the annual originate? Um, well, it wasn't so much my idea as it was Chris and Steph Riley, who are kind of my collaborators on this event and planning it. Um, as you know, we had had a big Star Wars gathering in New York in 2018 that we called NICE, N-Y-C-E, for New York Collector, Collector's Event. And um, you were there. Um, it was basically a, a big party in New York um that was surround that was um centered on Star Wars collecting and people came in and multiple days visited various houses um on one of the days we had had a plan to um have it at a collector's house and the plans for that kind of fell through due to some unforeseen circumstances so we were in Long Island and all these people had flown in uh from various parts of the world mostly the United States but also other countries and the, the planners, myself, Mike Ritter, Yehuda Kleinman, Paul Chu, uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. Those were the major planners. I had to find another venue for the for that, that day of the event, um, which is basically just a party in the evening with food and whatnot. And fortunately, you know, my father is really the, the person who pulled a rabbit out of the hat because he has a cousin who was in an electric, electrician's union and they had a hall that was right in that area of Long Island, and we were able to rent it for a pretty cheap price. Um, and so we ended up having that evening of this collector's event in this rented hall. Uh, now it, was, it, it, it was unfortunate that we didn't get to do our original plan, but it was also kind of fortuitous because it was a great venue to have this event. It didn't cost us that much money. And as we were there, you know, it was catered. Um, and we had a big space, and it kind of occurred to me, and I think Chris and Stephanie as well, that, hey, you know, we could use a venue like this to do an event that is um, maybe have some more activities than you would have at a normal person's house. You know, I only had two days to plan the, the, the party in this hall, but I was able to get a projector set up, and we had some slideshows and a memorial for Bob Martin Nazi, who had recently passed away, unfortunately. Um, but there wasn't enough time to really plan content like presentations or to have a better audiovisual experience. So 
after we had it in that hall, I think Chris had, had always been thinking about doing a uh, an Empire State event on an annual basis. And it was like, well, if we're going to do that, then the, the way to go about that is to rent out a venue like this. You know, there's other venues. It doesn't have to be in this Long Island location. It could be somewhere else in New York. Hotels have venues like that. We could have it catered, and then we could plan around it with activities and audiovisual stuff because we have more time to plan it. And that's really the perfect way to go about having an event that's like that. You know, a, region, a regional club thing that's maybe a couple of steps above just a party at a house, right? Um, and I would say. I can't speak for Chris and Steph, but one of the things in the back of my mind was sort of what our friends um, Sky Payne and Steve Danley have done with the archive parties at the celebrations. They didn't do the last celebration, but they have at previous ones um, where they basically have a hall at a hotel that they rent out. They get it catered and then they have games and activities and various things. And it's, it's basically a fun few hours, a mini convention, if you will, in a in a in a hotel space. Um, so that was kind of something that was in the back of my mind. Well, we could do something like that for the Empire State Club. Um, and that was really the genesis of it. Um, as you your listeners may be aware, the annual is a multi-day event, right? So the main event is on the Saturday where we have the the hall, the the rented hall where we have the what I was just talking about. Um, but there's also, other events on Sunday, Monday, and even part of Friday, which I think the intent there is to make it worthwhile for our friends who are out of state to travel, right? So if you're in, I don't know, Kentucky or Indiana or something, and you're thinking of coming out, it's probably better to have several days of activities to to, to make it worth your while rather than just those few hours on the Saturday evening. So um, we also have events planned for Sunday and, and, and Monday and part of Friday. So that, that's kind of the genesis of it, the multi-day event with the Saturday in the in the hall. And like I said, it was really Chris Riley and Steph, Steph Riley's, their, their desire to do an event for the New York State Collectors Club, plus my experience doing the NICE and also just going to the archive parties. The NICE event for me was, I think it was my first major a collector's trip. And I remember coming away from it, connecting with so many people over the course of that weekend, having some moments that I didn't expect to have. You know, It was really one of those um, exciting and adventurous times. Uh, and I look back with, with fondness, but I, um, I remember coming away from it and feeling like it was a win for our club. You know, that, that our Empire State Club and the people within it um, came together to make it happen. And I remember seeing what had happened with the hall and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my, my friends were able to really put this together last minute, you know, to, to, to put this <clears throat> fix uh, at the last minute. And I, for me, it was just a moment of, okay, we can really do anything in this club. Is that how you felt coming away from it? A little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big believer and I'm going more towards this, you know, thinking in the last few years where we're collecting events are concerned. I'm a big believer that collectors and I guess collecting groups, clubs, what have you, have it within their ability to kind of make their own events. You know, you don't need the authorization of Disney or, or Lucasfilm <laughs> for having sure. Star Wars event. Um, and you don't really even need a convention. It doesn't need to be 
a toy show, right? It can, we kind of, I think maybe I'm crazy, but I've talked to other people and they have the same opinion that the best thing about celebration is really seeing your friends and probably hanging out with them at the hotel after, after hours, you know, or at the bar. Um, that's really what drives it. Right. Um, of course there are things we like to do at celebrations. We like to go and shop the floor and go to presentations and all that stuff has its place. But really, the best thing, at least for me, and I know other people feel this way, is just to see your friends and and kind of have a relaxed um, time, you know, um, shooting the bull and and, and sharing, you know, your passion and also just catching up with them as friends. Uh, And there's no reason you can't do that on a regional basis with your club or, you know, any other group, as long as you have the willingness to plan it and pay for it, you know, that's that's the thing, you know, trying to raise the funding for it if you're going to really go big. Um, and really, you know, the, the collector events, which started in Seattle, I think it was 2013, kind of set the tone for some of that where it was like, well, this is just everybody's going to get together and they're going to um, – look at collections and put their feet up and have a, a few beers and, and kind of swap stories and just have a great time. And we don't need a celebration for it. We don't need a toy show for it because we have basically our relationships to kind of build on this. So, um, yeah, that's really, you know, the idea behind the annual. And I think other, other groups have had, have had similar ideas in doing their kind of like their own collector based events. It's funny that you mentioned celebration because um, if I were doing a one sentence pitch, which I've actually done for a lot of people, I've described the annual as celebration without the convention. Um, and right. I think that's really, or, or, or something to the effect of it's really, you know, it's the best parts of celebration without the convention. Yeah, it's, it's totally like that. Um, like I said, the, the Saturday event is like a mini convention, so there's some elements of it, but it has none of the um, pedal to the metal exhaustion quality of celebration, right? There's no waiting on lines, and there's no expensive food, and there's no uh, hassle or anything like that. You know, if, if you're coming to our event, you know, you're getting there at the time the doors open and you're walking in and it's like you're just kind of hanging out and it's completely relaxed. Uh, and that's really the goal is to have, you know, like you said, all of the good stuff about a big convention like that with none of the the sort of overblown, crowded or harried ac- aspects of it. Absolutely. Uh, and and especially, you know, this one from 2019, the, the first annual turned out to be. I think for a lot of people, um, one of their favorite events that they've attended that that are collector related. Um, you know, our our group is very fortunate uh, for the Empire State Star Wars Club and and in this region because we have a number of clubs that are you know around uh, this this you know similar area and um, and we do a lot of meetups as far as going to people's homes or uh, meeting at a restaurant or anything like that. Um, but this was this was a, a really a truly unique one and a different one. Um, why was putting together a larger club meetup like this important to you? Oh, I think just because I, I enjoy it. You know, that's that's really my outlet in collecting these days, or one of them. You know, the things I've enjoyed most over the last several years have been these kind of, you know, very low key 
hey, we're just going to go out and meet up with friends, you know, whether it's been at, I know you've been at some of these, David, you know, Nashville um, with the, the, the convention that's out there. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything to do with the convention, although it's part of it. But, you know, collectors go because there's a convention there. And then the fun part, really, the convention's good, but the, there's also a great camaraderie with hanging out after hours just at the hotel. So that's been one. There's a convention in Cincinnati that has been going on. I know you, I've seen you with that. Uh, I've been out there four times, maybe. And it's a one-day show. It's not a huge show, but it just – there's a room sales, right? And there's collectors hanging out at the hotel. That's it's the whole a, weekend around it, right? Yes. You know, that's always fun. You know, there's collectors that come in who've never been to Cincinnati before and they go take their picture in front of the mural. Um, and you can go visit some people who live in that area, like the Lane Cool Brothers, you know, or, you know, one year we saw um, Jerry Gallo and, and some other people. Like, you know, and it's just a good excuse to get on the road and go out and see people and just have a great time. Um, we went out like I know several people from the New York club went out to Mike DeStefano's place for the Pennsylvania club's Christmas party in December. And that was awesome too. Um, and those are my favorite collecting things that I've done over the last few years. So naturally just wanting to expand that experience to kind of do something that's centered around the New York club, um, is kind of a natural progression. And there's also, there's just so many, as you know, there's so many great people in our club, you know, in other clubs as well, but there's just a lot of great people. Um, a lot of them want to contribute, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm going to throw some money at this to help you guys pay for everything, or I'm going to do some art for it, or I'm going to help you plan this or that. Um, it's a great opportunity to collaborate and work on something like that with people. You know, I really love that. Like, I love the collaborative process and coming up with all these things. Like, I love working with Chris and Steph. Uh, the other people who we've pulled in and just trying to plan our events and, you know, what we're going to give away and all this stuff and kind of make it the best we can. It's just fun for me. And it's, it's satisfying. Uh, you feel like you're doing something for your friends and for your club and, and for yourself, really, because, you know, it's something that you end up I, I end up enjoying as much as everybody else. And really, for for a hobby that many people first go into, where it's it's solitary, it does become collaborative, and it, it do, you you wind up collecting um, things, friendships, experiences together. Um, and and you were saying that you know you had worked with Chris and Steph uh, and a few other people as well too uh, to put the 2019 annual together. What was your particular role in producing the annual? My particular role. Um... I just work with official or unofficial. I guess just the main planners are, are me, Chris, and Steph. Um, you know, as far as roles, I guess they all overlap quite a bit, right? You know, Chris and Steph sure. took the lead on finding the venue and dealing with the um, uh, the hotel that rents out the place and doing the catering for Saturday. Everything else we pretty much collaborated on. You know, I, I guess I took the lead with planning the Sunday, which I don't know. We haven't mentioned it, but the Sunday we've done it for the last. The last one we also did it for the New York event in 2018 is a sort of a group boat ride on the Hudson. The Hudson River is right here in my area, and it's just really one of the most beautiful places in the country, right? So um, we rented a boat, which is pretty expensive, but it's worth it. Um, and all the all of our guests to go out on the boat for three hours and have drinks and just kind of watch the sunset on the Hudson River. Um, so I kind of took the lead on that. Uh, 
And then also my house, you know, we visit my house on the, the Sunday as well. So my house with the collection is open for people to come by. Um, so obviously that ends up being falls into my group. But everything else we kind of collaborate on. You know, we go back and forth on the graphics. You know, we spent a lot of time, Chris and I, um, on coming up with a, a graphic, a key graphic. We wanted it to be unique. You know, I don't know if you saw the Leia graphic that we did. Um that we have on the Facebook page. So we hired someone to do that, you know, just little things like that. Um, you know, just to, trying to be attentive to detail and quality kind of don't want it to be a very flat. We want it to be a professional level thing with, with great graphics and great presentations. So, you know, that's something that we've collaborated on quite a bit as well. I think that graphic was really important to getting people on the same page and and aligned with this idea of of what it was going to be um, for the 2019 annual. Could you describe what that image looked like? Oh, for the 2019, it was basically it's called the annual, and that was basically Chris Riley's idea. Obviously, because the idea is that it's going to be every year, although that ends up being hard, you know, in the in the current climate. But um, so because of the the title of the annual, there, there was a British is it Marvel Comics or is it called something else in England? But it was basically Marvel Comics um, did a British, uh, like a large format comic book called The Annual every year. And for one of them, maybe it was 78 or 79, um, uh, the images of Darth Vader, right? And it's Darth Vader reaching out with an orange background. Um, and it says, the comic book says the annual, right? The Star Wars annual. And so we adapted that. We hired someone to adapt that into our key graphic for the 2019 annual. And it looked really cool, right? It looked kind of like the comic, but a little bit different, um, really bold, uh, very impactful image, very colorful. Um, so that's what we used in 2019. And for this year, we wanted, Chris and I both wanted to have um, something that felt like it was of the same lineage or the same family, uh, but also was new. Like we didn't want it to repeat it. We wanted to make sure that this is, hey, this is the, Wanted to have it a unique stamp graphically on what the the uh, the event would be, and so we opted for a kind of Echo Base Princess Leia image from The Empire Strikes Back. And for that, it's not based directly on a comic, so we had to hire someone to kind of create something for us. Um, and we did, you know, Chris did a great job going back and forth with the guy because it to make sure it was the tone that we wanted. But it, it's kind of. Similar to the Vader image, but it's it's Leia and it's got a blue tonality rather than orange. Uh, I really like it. You know, I think it, it was a, it was a great job that, that the guy did on it. I love it. It reminds me of a, a Salvador Dali piece, uh, a specific one, and I I think it was uh, Christ in the Tomb, if I have that right. Where oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Where it's just uh, and and again it's it's the blue around um, where <laughs> it it it's a little it's a little foreboding. It's um. Or, or just it's it's kind of quiet and still, not not so much foreboding, but quiet and still, and th- the tone really speaks for it. And I, I think that's what happened with the first image, and I think that's what happens now with this this Leia image. Um, and again, it it looks like it was um, taken right off of a comic from you know the late seventies, early eighties, yeah. and uh, and I love that. So I I think we we seem to have. Um, uh, our own style now with the annual. And I think that's really important too, because it, it's such a unique event and it has its own, um, its own imagery that that's going with it. So nice yeah. job. Really well done. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. That was definitely the intent to have the same sort of impactful graphic, severe quality. 
Um, and yeah, that the whole echo base thing was kind of my um, thought. I, I like the idea of like, since we've been retired here for two years due to COVID, this was kind of like, we're going to reopen this up and it's like, we're calling the rebels to the echo base, right? This is a <laughs> the call to the secret hidden base. So I was like, well, let's do the theme around echo base and, and Leia. Um, so yeah, it, sure. it, I'm really happy with the image, you know, but it's just little things like that, that I think, Chris, Steph, and I all are you know, very keen on the presentation aspects of it because you can just do something and just kind of throw it out there, right? But it, don't want it, don't want it to be a, a, a bottom level event in terms of presentation. Definitely want it to come across as a more professionalized, you know, you know, want it to people to understand the thought that gets put into it. And I think when you come, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hope even last time at the annual it was a little bit. You know, there was it was a little bit of cut above in terms of presentation and sort of organization and the stuff that we planned and did. Um, so hopefully, you know, when you come, it's not like you're just going to be walking into some random thing that was planned at the last second. Like you're walking into something that there was months behind, you know, people running around and making sure it was a next level experience. So. Yeah, and I would say that there is probably a multi-episode podcast series that's going to be coming out uh, that highlights the amount of detail and the love and care that was put into every aspect of that weekend. Um, for me, again, August of 2019 was just one of those ones that I will never forget. And the the detail that you that you all put into it too. Um, you know, even down to things like when we've talked about this, like the tablecloths and the um, the Iron Maiden uh, tribute uh, image of, of the, storm, the cadet stormtrooper. I mean, it just it took an event and it brought it to another level. And I remember being in the middle of that ballroom before everyone else came in and saying to myself, I and I I say this a lot <laughs> as a collector now, but I look around and I go, I cannot believe my friends did this. <laughs> you know, and that's a, that's a testament to to the work that you you all put into this. Yeah, well, I mean, you were part of it as well. You know, you did a podcast, and that was you know one of the great things about it. You know, and and that's kind of what the event is about is leveraging those, you know, hobby connections and and the people in the club to do the best thing possible. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the cadet trooper because um, that was another thing with the annual 2019 that we wanted to make sure was next level. Um, you know, our our swag item for that Saturday was a a statue that that you know it's about I don't know eight inches tall um, resin statue that's you know hand done and everything. We had to have we had to hire an artist to sculpt it. Jason Thomas, I think he really was the guy who had the the know how to do that from all his work on the archive parties. Um, and we got it funded through sponsorship money. And, you know, I, I have a reputation to be an anti-swag because I've been busting on swag <laughs> for years, right? But sure. um, I'm not really anti-swag. You know, it's just I enjoy seeing it, but it's a little bit, like, overwhelming for me. But, you know, I told Chris and Steph, and, you know, they agreed at the start. It was like, hey, if we're going to do a swag item for this, it's not going to be a button, right? Like, <laughs> it's either going to be one of the best swag items ever or we're just not going to do swag, right? So it's going to be something that you would want, um, not just like, oh, hey, that's a cool button, but it's going to be like, this is like a desirable item. Um, 
And I think there's been similar swag items. Like the Archive Party had uh, Cheshu the Hut, which was like also a – that was a little bit of the inspiration with an actual 3D item in a box, like a resin item. But that was not free to all attendees, right? That was like – I don't know what it was. You had to buy it or it went to sponsors or something like that. Um, this was – the idea was everybody, everybody who attends the event gets this for free, and it's also like the best free swag item ever. Um, and I think we – I don't – I'm – me tooting my own horn saying it's the best ever, but it's got to be one of the most expensive free swag items, you know, just the, the amount of time that went into it. I would put the retail value at 50 bucks or something for the statue and the, and the box and everybody who comes gets it for free. Right. So, um, yeah, that's just another thing that we just really wanted to make sure that if we were going to do a swag item, it was going to be upper top level and not something to sneeze at. Right. So, yeah. If you don't mind, I'll I'll um I'll speak for you on this one. Um, it is to me it's it's my favorite piece of swag that I've ever received. Um, right. I, I think it is so utterly special. I, I've shown it to so many people who are non Star Wars collectors or maybe not even interested in Star Wars, and they were blown away by it. Um, <laughs> and so that was given out as a um in sort of a, a bronze paint uh given away to people who um to anyone who attended and then you also had a separate special one for sponsors yes we did we we over ordered which was maybe a mistake <laughs> um, so we had a bunch left over and um club member bob rj al's uh, saint he's just a saint because he, he spent all this time actually hand painting all those things he did yes. um, and uh we gave the extra ones away to, to sponsors. Uh, and so there was a painted one and then there was just a bronze one. Um, but yeah, it was quite a, quite a heavy lifting event, you know, to hire someone to sculpt that. And the guy sculpted it in clay basically. Right. Um, by hand, he has to hand cast each one and then hand paint them. And then we've got, we got another artist to do the box graphic, you know, so it it was, quite involved but you know everyone was seemed pretty happy with the item and you know just to tease we haven't announced it yet but we will have a a, a very nice swag item for this for this go around as well which so watch the facebook page for the announcement on that one well that's fantastic yeah i'm, I'm actually looking at my my two cadet stormtroopers right now uh they are proudly displayed in my room and i just i absolutely love them um so you had mentioned before you were talking about some of the details that made this so special um, what are some of the things when you when you're planning an event as large as the annual? Um, what are some of the the things that you have to plan that that most people would either overlook or or maybe not even think about? Oh man, there's a lot. You know, I mean, just making sure you get your contracts in order for renting the room is a big step. Uh, budgeting it out. You know, fortunately, Chris Riley um, does. You know costing out house renovations and additions and whatnot as part of his job. So he's really good at that. You know, just figuring out what your budget is, um, what everything is going to cost. You know, do you have the money to cover it? Are you likely to make the excess back on ticket sales? Um, all that stuff is quite difficult, right? It's not for everybody. Um, and just especially this time around, like I, I probably don't need to explain this to you, but 2022 versus 2019 in the services industry is like a completely different world, right? So um, everything is more expensive now. <laughs> you know that that's a big big hurdle is costing it all out and doing the budget. Um, 
and then just presenting it. The information is another thing that I think um, you have to have a certain mindset to do well. Um, and that's something I learned, you know, from my my professional, you know, experiences, you know, and also working on this with Chris and Stephanie uh, and also working on NICE is that you need information needs to be put out. It needs to be clear. People need to be steered in the right directions. Like how do they buy tickets? You know, when do they need to buy tickets by? Um, where do they need to be at this time? You know, wh- what's the schedule? You know, all this stuff. If you're not organizationally minded, it can be difficult. You know, fortunately, I think Chris, Steph, and I, all three of us have pretty good backgrounds in, in that kind of thing. You know, I have quite a lot of experience <laughs> trying to steer complicated groups of, you know, diverse people into the into the the system that you have set up, right. To make sure it all gets done on time. Um, so that, that's another thing, uh, that if you're not on top of all the time, you know, your event just turns into sort of a chaotic, um, you know, a chaotic mess. Right. So that's another big piece of it. Um, you know, and also just, um, kind of knowing what people are going to like and, and be, you know, want to see, you know, you know, I, but I think as long as you have experience in collector events and you know what collectors like, uh, like that's something that you could do. Um, but really, I mean, just as far as I think your question was concerning, you know, what's the biggest difficulties or the biggest hurdles? But I, for an event like this, I mean, no getting around it. You know, it ends up coming down to the the money piece. But that's a big that's a big hurdle if you want to do something similar. It, you just have to figure out what how you're going to pay for everything. Um, and then make sure that you're going to hit those marks. Um, if if a person wanted to contribute to this, um, how would they do so? Um, you can contact me on Facebook or, or contact Chris. Um, there was just the other day somebody, maybe it was our friend Gordy Owen, threw over some some sponsorship money. Um, uh, and you know it, it still helps. So if anybody wants to throw in some money. Um, you know, just to be above board because I want to make sure um, everybody's clear. And this was announced that, that there will not be an extra cadet statue for everyone who gave money. <laughs> sure. Like I said last time, it was more of a result of us over ordering and we just don't have the money to, to do that. But there will be a gift, right, um, for sponsorships over a certain amount. Um, you know, I think if you're going to do something, please make sure it's like 150 or more, not to be stingy, but it's like, Frankly, ten dollars doesn't really help that much. You know what I mean? And it, it's like if you're going to give everyone a gift, it's like it has to be over a certain level. You, you get into those little like logistical problems too. Like, well, we want to sure. give a gift, but if it's the, this person only gave ten dollars, it's not, it's not really gift worthy. Um, <laughs> but, but in all honesty, like it's great if you if you if you if you want to contribute, that's great. But we're pretty much got to where I think we're pretty confident that we're going to be good to go financially on this thing. And, um, certain people were super generous, you know, like our friend, Paul Chu, I love Paul Chu. You know, this guy just gave us a good amount of money to help cover everything. And he's just the, the most generous guy. So um, he has a really good heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's other guys too, but you know, Paul definitely went above and beyond. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, when we told him we needed help, he certainly went to bat. Um, and, Honestly, there was a time 
a couple months ago where Chris, Steph, and I were all looking at each other like we might have to back out when we realized all the how expensive everything had gotten. Because I mean, I knew the economy was bad and inflation was bad, but some of the stuff was like, oh, geez, you, you, hotels are not willing to, <laughs> to go above and beyond like they were a couple <laughs> years ago, right? So, yes, um, everything is more expensive. Uh, but we got there, and I think we'll be pretty good. And you know, like just to touch on this, so people, your listeners know, it's like so. There are three ticketed portions to the annual, and you can sort of build your experience the way you choose. Like if you just are coming to Saturday, um, there is a ticket, and it's $66, which I think is well worth it for that whole Saturday event in the hall. That's gets you the swag item, gets you the full catered dinner, uh, gets you access to the presentations and the room sales and all that stuff. Um, and then there's on Sunday, there's a ticket for the boat ride, which is – especially if you have family members who are going to be with you is not to be missed. You know, a, a cruise on the Hudson river with an open bar and your friends for three hours in the, in the late summer is a great experience. So I've totally recommend it. And that's, I think $50. And, and to then, clarify on that though, too, um, when you say that we rent out the boat, we rent it out just for our group. There's nobody else that comes on it. It is oh, no. a purely star Wars collectors event. 100%. You show up at the dock and the captain's waiting and they lower the gangplank and you walk on, onto the boat and it's a private party on the river. Um, it's a double-decker boat that holds up to like 130 people and you, you're just hanging out with your friends, enjoying the hopefully hopefully sunshine um, and having a drink, glass of wine and taking photos if you have kids. I mean, it, I think it's the event's open to, to kids 12 and up. Or a wife, you know, this is a great opportunity. We've had several collectors do this where it's like their wives would never go to the nerd thing. But it's like, oh, the, uh, a cruise on the Hudson on Sunday? <laughs> I'll go to that. Um, so that's a great opportunity to get your family involved if, if you live close. Um, but there is a that's a ticketed $50 ticket. I think it's cheap for what you get out of it. Um, and then after the boat, we are going to another rented hall for a catered dinner down the road, uh, and that's a forty dollars ticket, and that gets you access to the 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 rented space and 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 the the full catered dinner, which I think for forty dollars, I think that in this day and age, that's pretty cheap for a, a catered meal, and it it should be good. So um those are the three ticketed pieces. Um, the other stuff that's going on is, you know, my house on Sunday before the boat, and that's free. Um, you just come by. You have hours to come and hang out and see the collection if you haven't before. Um, get some food at my place. And then on uh, Monday is Yehuda Kleinman. So hopefully people have uh, – the like we said we plan it for multiple days. And if you're traveling out, um, hopefully you have the ability to plan it. So where you're doing a long weekend and you're going to hit Yehuda's in Queens. So that's in about an hour and a half south. So it does require a drive, but the Kleinmans are the, some of the most generous people around, and they know how to how to really throw a party. So that's going to be you get to see Huda's collection and basically spend the day eating and drinking, and and then flying out or doing whatever you need to do um, on that day. So and there's no ticket for that either. Um, but that's kind of the the weekend in a nutshell. We also have on Friday, if you arrive early, we're going to go on a hiking excursion. Um, and Hudson Valley is a great place for hiking, right? So um, that's for people who are coming in early on Friday, starting at probably about noon. Mm-hmm. And that's free. And, and also on, on Saturday, so the annual will start at like 3 p.m. and go late, right? Um, 
on Saturday we plan to have a sort of a uh, a scavenger hunt where we're going to give attendees a list of area antique shops and collectible shops. And, you know, last time people went to Stormville Flea Market, uh, that it will, will not be happening on the weekend that we're planning this one. So it'll they'll basically, be, basically be an opportunity to go to different area collectibles events with your friends and you can kind of trade notes on what you found or didn't find. But we'll, we'll put out like a list of, of places you can visit. That be- sounds saturday yeah i love that and and um you know as a collector too i love the collector themed events that happen during the weekend um and some of my favorite things that i saw and it was it was a pretty big surprise for me um were the panels that were delivered at the during the annual um you you were very kind to invite me to be a part of it um i had done a panel on the history of our club the empire state star wars collectors club um which was which was great because it it gave it gave me a chance to bring up so many people that had had a hand uh, in making the club really special, and I think it also gave uh, everyone who attended a fuller perspective of what our club was and has been over the past at the time I think it was seven years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, why did why did you choose to include panels for something like this? Because I, I think a lot of conventions and a lot of um, um, beyond meetups, I guess, but a, a lot of uh, collector-themed events sometimes forego something like a panel. And with these panels, these were people, again, our fellow collectors and friends. Uh, and I think that's really key to our our community and our hobby. So why would you uh, choose to include these? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I guess probably I just like them. You know, I just, I guess, you know, I've been around collecting a long time now. Um and kind of my main entry point into the hobby in a lot of ways has been, I guess, producing collecting content for lack of a better way to, to describe it, whether it's like, you know, write ups on the star Wars collectors archive or presentations I've done at celebrations or, you know, the blog posts on the star Wars collectors archive blog. Um, you know, I've also helped edit, you know, other folks work, you know, you know, everybody from Pete Vilmer to Jonathan McElwain, you know, has been spotlighted on, you know, web forums that I've, you know, edited on some in some capacity. And that's always been kind of my passion. So when we're doing this event and we have a hall, like I said, when we did the New York event in 2018, we didn't have enough time to set up an audio visual presentation too much. But with this, I had all the time in the world and it's like, well, we're going to be here. There's a screen, there's a projector. We have several hours. We have some of the most knowledgeable collectors in the world coming in and they're my friends and I know they're willing to do something. Right. So let's ask them right. to do presentations. Uh, and it was great. We had, we had, you did a live podcast where, like you said, you went over the um, New York state history of the club and thanks for doing that. It was awesome. And then that ended up going out, on your podcast for other people to hear. And then we had, I think Matt George did a presentation on his book, um, engineering and empire, I believe it was called, which was fairly new at that point, but it's been out for a few years now. And Um, he had told some behind the scenes stories about meeting with the different employees and, and, uh, you know, the people who had worked on the line and he told some fascinating stories and then had a a Q and a session afterwards, which was great. Right. And that was great. And certainly appreciate him putting the work into that. Uh, and then Duncan Jenkins did a virtual tour of his um, his collection. Um, 
the Smithsonian. Escape me for a second. The Smithsonian's his collection. So he did. Obviously, not everybody has the ability to to go out to um, Missouri and, and see Duncan's setup, right? Which is one of the great setups in the world. Um, right. So he was coming to the the con, and he was kind enough to put together a virtual tour of his collection, um, which is a real get, you know, I mean, it was a real, a privilege for people to see that. And then Jonathan McElwain did a, a presentation on his collection and kind of the history of his involvement in, in Star Wars collecting. And Jonathan's a great, just one of the great low key people, um, in collecting. And he has an amazing collection that's different than most people. So, you know, I guess by asking him to do that, I really thought that he would be able to put something together that was, intriguing and, and a little bit off the beaten path right so and I, and I think he did so those are the three presentations we had in addition to your panel um and I thought they were great there was there was great um interest in those um you know that the format of the annual is a little unusual because it's like you're at a wedding in a at a in a party space and so there's not a separate space for the presentation so we kind of had it set up where if you wanted to watch you could sit right in the front um, but then there's other people milling around in the back who maybe came and went as they chose or, you know, uh, this year, thanks to our friend, Mark Rusciano and his company M Rush, we should have a better audio setup than we had last time. Uh, uh and so hopefully that the people will be able to hear it better. Cause that was maybe one of the, the, the wrinkles we had last time was that the, the audio visual could have been a, a little better. Uh, sure. And for, for first for first outing, it was incredible. Um, I sat through all all three uh, presentations, and I found them to be so engaging. And you know, they covered a lot of areas that I, I didn't really know much about. Um, you know, learning. I had read Matt's book, but but hearing him talk about these behind the scenes stories and highlighting certain employees that he had spoken with or or learned more about um, really helped me to appreciate the Kenner stuff. And then. What Jonathan and Duncan did with their presentations, they were diving deep into uh, what they focused on, and it was it was great to see you know the the breadth and depth of of what they love, um, and and they also both did it with a, a sense of humor as well too, which was which was great. Uh, so it, it made for me it made that Saturday night wonderful, um, you know. And then and then there were there was time in between the the panels where I was able to sit and have dinner with with friends and then to kind of as you said bill about and and just you know talk to different people um so by the end of that you know by 10 o'clock that night i really felt like i had i'd come away with with more knowledge than i started out and with uh deeper friendships yeah well that's the goal i mean that, that's the whole thing um but I'm, I'm glad you got something out of the presentations that was my my baby you know, i did pretty much most of the well i the people who put on the presentations did most of the work, right? Like I just planned it, but I sure that putting it together and coordinating it was my one of the things I really wanted to bring to the table on on the event. So I kind of took the lead with that. Uh, and again, our friend Paul Chu came through with the last minute with a, a projector that was better than the one that we had that that made it a little the presentations easier to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you got something out of it. Uh, we're gonna have similar things again, you know, as we've already announced, you'll be doing a, another podcast and i'm really looking forward to that i think your idea for the what you're going to tackle is awesome um but i'm working on the presentations um the other presentations i pretty much have it kind of sketched out um we'll probably have at least one that's just another collector from an outside an outside club 
um, who comes in and kind of just gives us a tour of, of his collection, um, which I think is that's that's kind of like one of these like no brainer things. It's like it's not a, a high concept presentation, but it's kind of like, well, OK, not everyone has the ability to travel to X state to see this person's collection. So they will be at the event. Let's ask this person to give us a personal tour of the collection. Right. And people can you know that that's just kind of a no brainer presentation, I think, that going forward, it'd probably be a staple, I think, in a lot of ways. And that's the kind of stuff we love as collectors. Yeah, and it's simple. Like, you don't need to, I don't need you to do a presentation on Guatemalan Star Wars paper clips, right? Like, all I need is like, okay, this person has an interesting collection and an interesting history in the hobby. He or she is going to sit down and take us through that and, and present a, a virtual tour of the collection. You know, that that's kind of what an event like this should be designed for, in my opinion, especially when you have people coming in from outside groups. Um, and that's something we haven't really touched on, but you and I have talked about in private. It's just like one of the goals of the annual and always really has been was to kind of leverage the collecting club community. Um, and so we put a kind of a high priority on attracting groups or just even individuals from outside regional clubs. Right. So, if you're in the Kentucky club or the Pennsylvania club or the Georgia club, like hopefully this is something you'll consider coming out to with you yourself and a couple of other members. And maybe you'll even bring a flag or something from your club so we can get a picture, right. Of all the people. Cause to me, the collecting club scene is one of the, the best things about the, the hobby right now. Uh, and it, it's fun to try to, get these people to, you know, congregate, you know, as clubs, you know, last year, the Georgia contingent came out in, in full force. I think we had Narayan, um, Justin Haney, Blake, Tom Derby, but several people came from, from Georgia and they all came wearing their Georgia stuff is, is my memory. And we, I got a good photo of all of them together. Uh, well, and I, actually the, the Georgia, like, so our, our time with the Georgia club during the annual really opened the door between the two clubs where a lot of a lot of the Empire State Club members became uh, Georgia Club members and a lot of Georgia Club members became Empire State Club members. And now we do stuff together and and happily. I mean, it's just it's you know, we've become a, a brotherhood and sisterhood. And, and I, I love that between the two clubs. Yeah. And that's really part of the point. Um, and just, you know, like so I said, like I put. I reached out to most of the club um, movers and shakers, you know, the people who kind of run the clubs. Uh, uh, and, and I reached out to them and, and extended an invite to their memberships for the annual. And a few responded. I'm not sure how big of a contingent we'll get from some, but certainly that's moving forward into the future. That's like a hope, you know, like it would be great if, you know, one of the California clubs is like, oh, well, even though this is on the other side of the country, this it's worth it to us to travel out. Two or three people are going to come out to this um, one year because they've heard about it from other people and it's worth their time, you know, like stuff like that's kind of a long-term goal to establish with this. And hopefully it keeps, it keeps going in a positive direction. Ron, I would say, I, I think you, Chris, Steph, uh, Yehuda and, and everyone else who worked on this, I think you guys have really made it, worthwhile for people to come. We, we did have people come from out of state uh, at the last one and out of the country, um, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling we'll have more of that for this one. 
We got, yeah, it was like an intercontinental event, which was great. <laughs> we had several people get on. We had Sweden, Australia, the UK, uh, Canada um, last time. So, yeah, I mean, people, if you're flying in from Australia, you know, it's, it's hopefully that's a good sign for your <laughs> event. Um, but yeah. uh, you already have a couple, at least, at least one person from Hawaii coming in. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure celebration was this year so i'm hoping it, it's worth it to for a couple of our other international friends to come out i know we're, i think we have an australian contingent again um but uh you know i'm hoping that you know some of the people like the swedes and, and whatnot buy in and, and decide to come it certainly would be awesome to see them you had mentioned before uh about um hosting uh, a meetup at your house during the annual and you're going to, going to be doing that again this year um as well too so um you had done that on sunday morning uh and it was it was a really great experience for people who have seen your collection and, and you know wanted to see it again and for people who haven't seen it before uh for me it was great just watching the the jaws of my friends just drop seeing some of the pieces in your collection um but as far as hosting was that an enjoyable experience for you was it a stressful one or or was it kind of a mixture of both Kind of both, you know, in 2019, it wasn't too stressful because we had a lot of time the whole morning and, and people, the hotel's like 20 minutes from my house. Right. Um, so it's just, there's a lot of people, people who haven't been to my place. Like I don't live in a mansion and my collecting space is pretty tightly packed. So it's, it's always a little dicey, like putting crowds of like hurting crowds of people through the collecting space. Um, especially since some people want to linger and it, it's like, okay, we need to filter people through. Right. <laughs> um, but it wasn't too bad. It's pretty relaxed. I would say when we did the New York event in 2018, that was crazy. That was, that was crazy <laughs> because people were coming from Long Island and they had to get to my house in the morning. And then the boat was like at like three something. And of course, we tried to get it so people knew that the distance to be drive dr and tried to get people to sign up for slots, but everybody missed their times and it, it ended up the majority, like for the whole morning, there was no one here. And then everybody starts showing up at like <laughs> one and it's like, Oh man, trying to filter everyone in and out. And then people, yeah. people got mad because it was like, well, there's not much I can do about it. There's, there's literally a hundred plus people here <laughs> and we need to get in and out and get to the boat. Um, so you were right though, the, the first one, the, the first annual though was a lot easier and, and, um, people had more time to spend. Uh, it was, it was much calmer. Um, and yeah, and we just had more time overall. Being 15 minutes away is the key, right? I mean, yeah. you can get up, have breakfast and head over to my house. And as long as you don't, show up at two 30 when we're closed <laughs> right. Like it should not be an issue. Um, so yeah, mm. it, that, that takes a lot of pressure off as far as having people to your house. But, you know, ultimately I, I'm, I'm not like one of these people who's constantly posting pictures of my stuff on Facebook to get likes, but I'm also not one of these people who never shows my collection. Right. Like I'm kind of in the middle uh, and I personally, I guess my feeling is why I have this stuff and why I have the the setup and I spent all the time in the presentation if you're never going to have people over to see it. Uh, so I take it as an opportunity to share the collection with people and 
Uh, I put a, you know, a few years back, I put a lot of, I spent months and months setting up my collection to the extent that I wanted it set up. Right. And, um, again, if people are never going to see it, then what's the fun in that? So how did you set yours up? How did I set it up? Mike? Well, you were, were you at my house before I had the current set up? Probably. Yes. Yeah, you were because you, yes. would, um, you had the darker just, cabinets. Yeah, well, years ago, I just had, like, Billy cases from Ikea with the glass doors. And upstairs, like, my sister lived in this house with me, right? So upstairs was my area, and the the quote-unquote collecting room was also the TV room. So there was a couch and a TV, <laughs> and I just had cases with stuff slammed in there. And it was like that for years. And then I had the other room up there, which was like a bedroom area, but that was just all, like, the production collection and – um when I moved downstairs, like basically it, for years, I just kept that outer room. Like I had a couch up there. Finally, I was like, well, what am I doing? I just pulled out everything but the cases. I bought more cases. I built an island in the middle for display. And now it's just like stacked to the gills. It's like you can walk around the island and look at all the cases and all the prototypes and everything. Um but it's set up now as a as a space to show off the collection, whereas before it was kind of more like an afterthought. So, um, and I, I did that in like 2018 or 2017 through 2018, setting all it up the way I wanted it. Um, so, I mean, and now it's like a showroom, right? And I live in this place alone, right? So, uh, if there aren't people who come over to see it, it's just kind of sits up there unvisited, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it, it, I take it as a a chance to to share the the collection with people and hopefully they get something out of it. Uh, but, you know, I, so I guess the answer to your question is, you know, I, I enjoy hosting these things. I wouldn't want to do it every single day, but <laughs> sure. once a year or once every couple of years, like it's, it's worthwhile to open up and, and let people come see your stuff. And hopefully we'll get some people who've never been here before this time around. Your collection is very special to me. Um, I love, first of all, I love the pieces in it. There are some historic and incredible uh, pre-production pieces, uh, both two-dimensional and three-dimensional. Um, but uh, but I also love the way that you've displayed the stuff. You have little museum placards that explain the importance and significance of, the, of certain pieces. Um, and, and it's just, it's nice to spend, you know, some time to go through each cabinet. Um, to those, to give those who haven't seen it though, in person, a fuller idea of the types of items you collect, uh, can you tell us a little bit about maybe a, a, a specific 2D piece and a specific 3D piece from your collection? Oh, okay. Um, 3D pieces, um, I guess the one that sticks in my mind is just something, well, I guess it goes back and forth, but one one that sticks in my mind is something that I really enjoy is I have the outfit for the Luke X-Wing unproduced, you know, large size figure outfit. Um, and it's the only example out there that has it that's basically complete that has a helmet and the chest computer and all that stuff. Uh, so it's one of a kind. Uh People are probably familiar with the Luke Bespin unproduced doll and the the Han Hoth one. You know, this is not as well known, but you know, it being the only one with those pieces makes it pretty special to me. And it's something that you can't see anywhere else. So th- mm. that's a item that I really enjoy. Um, as far as two D goes, um, one thing that sticks in my mind is I had the opportunity years ago to buy one of the original conceptual sketches for the 12-back card, the design. 
Um, it's in Matthias Rendall's book, the first, a new proof book. Um, and, uh, that's pretty special. I mean, to have one of the original pieces of hand-drawn art for the 12 back design, obviously it's a preliminary design. So it was changed, which kind of makes it more interesting, but, um, I mean, there's not many people who have one of those, right? There's probably five or six different ones. <laughs> if that, sure. Yeah. Um, and you know that that's something. Every time I see it, I'm like, it's, I'm really happy that I ended up with that, you know. <laughs> uh, and that's the kind of two D thing that I I really love. I, I was never that into proof cards. I just never. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, but it's just they're not unique enough for me. But some like to have original art on the conceptual art on the twelve back, and it's just like awesome. Like I just I love that every time I see it. Uh, so those are two things that spring to mind. Can I share with you my favorite, one of my favorite pieces from your entire collection? Sure. I have two, actually, a 2D and a 3D. Um, the two-dimensional one is, is you have a uh, the original art for one of the cards for a, it was a, it was a card game. It was a Return of the Jedi card game, and it, you have the original art for the card that, that displays the Rancor. Um, I grew up with that game, loved it, and just to see the original art for it, um, that was I think that I saw that at the annual, and that was just one of my favorite pieces uh, in your collection. Yeah, no, that's a cool one. That that's one that most people don't pay attention to because it's Parker Brothers rather than Kenner. But yeah, I had the opportunity to get those years and years ago, and I've held on to them ever since. But yeah, thanks. Those are really cool. I like those as well. My my favorite 3D piece. One of my favorite 3D pieces was the wax sculpt of Tebow uh, for from the unproduced uh, Ewoks line. Yeah, that's an interesting item. Um, and I might actually have another similar item when you come this time that I don't think I had last time. So oh, terrific. Your eyes open for that one. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, those, you know, I think we had, I did an article about this years ago. And I think I was on the Kivecast to talk about it. Um, but there were, several droids and Ewoks figures that were sculpted in conceptual form that were never made. You know, people are familiar probably with the unproduced Ewoks like Shatur, but this is a different one. So there was a Latara, Nisa, Tebow, and then Kank. So those are the four that were done. And, and the only reason we know about them is because the sculpts turned up, right? So, uh, yeah, that's, the only, uh, that's one of the things that you can see in my house that you can't see anywhere else is, is the Tebow sculpt. So... I'm glad you like that one. And I think it's very nice, too, that you allow each attendee to take one thing home with them. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> collection over time, but uh, just be sure you bring up <laughs> some cargo shorts with lots of pockets in them so you can stuff them full. Sure, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but. So uh, just come, you know, coming away from the annual, um, was there anything you would have done differently now that you've gone through it? done differently um like i mentioned the audiovisual quality it was good enough but it wasn't great um like i said hopefully mark rossiano is kind of the man where it comes to that so i think he's generously offered to help us out so i i think it we should clear that hurdle in a better way this time around but that was certainly a little bit of annoying doubt the last time and i, you know, I wasn't super happy with the, the, the especially the quality of the 
the the screen we had. So um, that's something that I'm going to try to rectify. Um, other than that, I don't know if I had any super regrets. I think okay. it was a bummer last time that it rained on the, the day of Yehuda's party. Um, and it was also a little bit of a bummer that a lot of people didn't schedule enough time to go to Yehuda's. He got a fairly good amount of people, but there was certainly a lot who were just trying to schedule around it. But I would really, if you're coming, make sure you have time to go to Yehuda's. It is worth it. He's got a world-class collection, and he and Michelle put on a great party. Um, it's only like an hour and 15 minutes away from me, so easy drive um, on that Monday. But, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be something that is better this time around. That Hopefully it doesn't rain. And as we wind down here, um, what's the best compliment that you received or heard about the 2019 annual? Oh, geez. You're saying that it was one of the best, you know, things you've gone to is certainly up on the list. I would say, you know, if I have a memory of the event and a memory of like feeling proud about it, it it probably relates well, to, to lots of, this, I'm not going to single this out like in other people's flanks or whatever, but in particular, our friend Richard Hutchinson, who came in from um, the UK, and obviously he does the Vintage Rebellion podcast. And we I, love Rich, and we love the Vintage Rebellion. Yeah, I, I've grown to, to love those guys over the years as well, especially Rich. Um, first of all, the fact that he was able to come, and he came, he found a cheap flight, and then just the look on his face— he just had the, this look like you, he could have never been happier. Like if he had just name it like this was it, it was clearly <laughs> one of the great. It seemed like one of the great things of his life. And he was just so happy from everything, from going to the event, realizing how good it was. He got sucked up by some of the Georgia guys on the morning of the Saturday and he took them around the flea markets. And I don't think he obviously he's probably never been to an American flea market, all this stuff. And he just said he felt so welcomed and like he was with, surrounded by friends and then everything through the boat and he had to leave right after that. Just the expressions that he provided and, you know, his thanks and, and his comments provided long after the fact just kind of hammered home that it was an, a successful event. And to have someone come in from another country like that um, was certainly very touching and, and certainly is, is a really positive memory I have about the whole thing. Yeah, Rich and I talked about it recently on uh, on an episode of of the Vintage Rebellion, and um, you know, again, just sharing sharing the fact that we were able to hang out in the same room uh, and, and really hang out for a whole weekend together, um, and that we both came away from it feeling the same way, where we were like, "I'm really glad I was able to be there, and this was really special, where I'll never forget it." So, yeah, yeah that, that's a testament to to what happened that weekend at the annual. Yeah, that's that's the intent, you know. And I think, like, I don't think Richard even really necessarily knew some of the people who picked him up on the morning. <laughs> but he was wandering around the hotel. He couldn't sleep because of jet lag. He's wandering around the hotel early in the morning. And then it's like Matt George and Ryan are like, oh, hey, get in the car with us. And he's like, all right, gets in the car. And then going on an adventure. And then they're bringing him back. And it's just kind of this whirlwind thing where it's like everywhere he goes is a friend, right, who wants to – you know, share their collecting experience um, with him. And that's really the goal is, is for people to have experiences like that, where it's like, they just feel like I'm among friends, right. For, mm -hmm. for these few days, like this is, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. 
um, talking about my hobby and having good times with my friends and kind of feeling relaxed and unpressured. You know, that that's the goal ultimately. And that that is a beautiful thing. And and I truly felt like that at the annual. I, I felt like I was able to fully relax, um, you know, just feeling confident and happy and and in the presence of people that I really cared about. And and a lot of people that I got to know at that event, you know, where so that that area in Fishkill will always be special to me because that's where a lot of friendships originated. What is what do you see as your long-term vision? You know, for you, Steph and Chris, what is the long-term vision for an event like the annual uh, in the coming years? Oof. Well, it's hard when you're in a thick of doing one. It's hard to really get too far out of the box and think about years in the future. But certainly the idea from the start, and again, it's really Chris and Steph who had the original idea was to kind of do it annually, right? Um, and I think, I don't know if it was really an idea as far as venue or location was, but certainly what we had talked about is doing it in various parts of New York, like where different members of the club can kind of pitch in, you know, Fonz Napolitano was going to be doing it when we were in Syracuse. So I'd say that's probably still part of the idea. Um, It's just uh, logistically trying to make that work is, is difficult. You know, as we've just discussed over the last hour, I mean, planning this thing is a giant it is it's costly there's a lot of money and there's a lot of planning so and chris and i both live in this area right so doing it in fishkill is is easy it's home base um so moving it to another spot is still something we're looking at but you know how that works i can't really say at this point in time we're gonna have to tackle it as they come um but certainly I think we're can, it's still an idea to do this thing annually. Um, we've discussed maybe setting the club up in a in a in a better way as a five hundred one c three to sort of handle some of the money aspects of it. You know, there's certain adjustments that can be made to to take some of the onus off of the planning stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't I would say there's no firm roadmap but there is like an intention to continue doing these in the future fantastic i look forward to every single one that that um that we have lined up and you know of course if there's any way that i can help i will gladly help well it will um, help too david if the the, co- the country is in a less tumultuous if inflation comes down and some of the you know the service industry recovers like that 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 really that was really a downer this year yeah plan through all that so hopefully fingers crossed in the future <laughs> you're in a better spot and it's not going to cost a bazillion dollars in gas just to drive to this thing but we'll ron see. i make no promises but i will see what i can do on that yeah aspect. get the get the honchos on the phone <laughs> and, you know but that that's but that's not just our event that's impacting everything from top to bottom right sure as prices and things so but, yes, the Empire State Club does not control the price of gas. No, there's certain conspiracy theories out there. I've not heard <laughs> that one, but there's no um, gas, you know, input from the club. But it just seriously, though, I mean, that was almost something that caused us to cancel this year, right? So, uh, just things turning around economically is going to put us on a better runway for events like this in the future, for sure. Um, so that's one thing that I hope clears up in the near future. I hope so too. 
Okay, so if if you're going to um, if you would, if you wouldn't mind if you could just uh, reiterate uh, and just to explain to people if they want to become connected if they if they want to uh, attend the annual um, how they would go about doing so and finding more information about it. Sure. Um, so it's not a public event, right? So it's not like any just rando person can can show up to it, right? But it also is not strictly closed either. So. It's really open to the, the the members of the Empire State Collecting Club and friends of members, right? So as long as you know someone who is a member, I would say there the option is there for you to attend. Um, even if you don't know someone who's a member and you belong to a collecting club, I would talk to whoever is the, I don't know, the, the captain or whoever, the, the head of that collecting club. And most of them are probably already aware of it. And then they can contact me or Chris or Tom Quinn, and we can get you invited. As long as you're a club member in good standing, there should be no reason why you can't attend this event. Um, so please, um, if you are interested, please reach out. You can reach out to me or reach out through your club or reach out through someone else you know in the Empire State Club. Or they can reach out through you, David, um, and we will... What it is is like you get added to the Facebook page, which is kind of the, the planning hub that we have for the, the event. And then when you're there, you can find the ticket, the, the links for the tickets and whatnot. And, you know, like you said, as long as we know you, like I, there's no reason why you can't come. Uh, so um, please keep that in mind. And, and yeah. like I said earlier, we are hoping to pull in people from other regions and other clubs. So uh, we'd certainly love to, to see some new faces. As somebody who attended, I can truly say every moment of it was was worth it. Um, again, I'm doing a multi-series, a multi-episode series uh, about the annual because it was so special. It was so momentous uh, and, and really brought so many people together. So uh, for all of you you know, who are listening out there, if you have an interest in this and, and you are connected and you, you want to become even more connected, uh, the annual is a great place to, to do so. Yeah, please, please reach out and come. Like I said, as long as you know you have some relationships in the hobby that are connected to clubs, it's open to you. And even if you don't, reach out to me. And you know, as long as you seem like you're not some kind of sketchy individual, (laughs) right? So, so it's not open to the public, but it's also not closed to the public. It's let's be as complicated about it as possible. But that's kind of the the. The way we've been approaching it. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see new people out there. And, and like David said, it's a great forum for making friends. So hopefully we'll see people. And right now, just to be open, like we've we haven't really made the giant push to sell all through the tickets, but there's like a hundred spots available um for the event, um, on the ticketed events, and we're only at like less than 40. Right. So there's tons of space still open. And usually the rush doesn't come until like the last couple of weeks. Um, But we will probably close tickets like three weeks out, two weeks out, something like that. Uh, So there's plenty of time to get in. And right now is, is the best time to really get your tickets. And we are recording this in June, too. So by the time this comes out, um, I, I will guarantee you that we will be much closer to um, to selling out. So, yeah, probably. Well, Ron, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me about this. I it, it has been wonderful getting to know you over the years. I first got to know you through 
the written word through through the articles that you would publish through the entries on the Star Wars Collectors Archive, uh, which if you're if you're hearing this and um, and you haven't checked it out, go to the Star Wars Collectors Archive, read Ron's blogs, his articles, uh, his entries. Uh, you know, he talks about uh, pieces that are in his collection and that are in the collection of, of our friends. Uh, and you really, truly learn a lot. So, Ron, that's how I met you. Um, you were kind enough to, uh, you know, allow me to to come to your house uh, with Pete LaRose back in 2017. And um, and it's just it, the last few years of just getting to know you uh, has, has been wonderful. So I thank you so much for being my friend. Oh, yeah. Well, it's mutual, David. It's been great getting to know you as well. And, and thanks for all the work you're doing uh, on your podcast. I listen to it regularly and I appreciate you having me on to talk about this. Fantastic. Here is to another annual. I can't believe we get to finally say that after, uh, you know, two years of, of quarantine and, and uh, you know, kind of an upside down world. So I can't wait to see what this one brings. Um, I'm excited to see uh, the panelists. I, I think, you know, you and I have talked about uh, our idea for uh, for my podcast panel, and I'm really excited about that one, too. I think it's going to be a good surprise. And uh, I, I just think every aspect of, of this trip is going to be an enjoyable one. Oh, definitely. We're looking forward to it. I can't wait to see you there. Here's to the annual 2022. Absolutely.